Hi guys, welcome back to Abner and Sophie's Take. My name's Sophie. And I'm Abner and today we're discussing anxiety and depression in a pancetta. <laughs> Panoramic, a pandemic. We're discussing it in a, a pandemic. So um, we're just covering those topics today and looking at how, you know, obviously we've been in lockdown for what it's like coming up to a year actually I think from the 16th of March it's gonna be a year that's the last time I remember like it was like a Tuesday I don't know it was a Tuesday and Boris Johnson had announced that guys it's a lockdown and no one knew what a lockdown was um we've never been in a lockdown so it was like okay the uh, this is new and also the fact that we hadn't dealt with a pandemic so we'll kind of look back in the past at people that dealt with like the black plague and um you know things of the past and like oh, we've got technology now and we we're much more civilized clearly you you can see that we're still in a pandemic and we haven't got it sorted out so you know pride will have you thinking that we've moved on it's a different generation now we've got it all sorted but no um god had a way of humbling us through this so that's what we're discussing today is anxiety and depression in a pandemic. So, Sophie, what is anxiety and depression? Anxiety and depression. So, anxiety is, you know, feelings of unease, worry, fear, apprehension. Normally, anxiety is part of your natural reaction to stressors you know it's your body goes into fight or flight mode when something presents danger to you however sometimes irrational thoughts can lead you to feel that you are in danger when you're not in danger you know and that's when anxiety starts to take over your life when you start to wake up with anxiety in the morning thinking that something's going to go wrong when there's a, like a danger hasn't presented itself to you yet um, and then depression, you know, feelings of a low mood that can last, you know, for weeks, months, sometimes even years. Um, you know, you have a loss of appetite, you have uh, struggle sleeping, you have a loss of interest in things that used to really make you happy. Your self-esteem can really decrease. Um, you know, it's often life events that can uh, cause this to happen, such as a loss or uh, your personality, family history of mental health problems can cause depression. Um, and understanding where these things have come from, anxiety and depression, is what we want to cover a little bit today, especially in terms of the pandemic. But it's important to understand that anxiety and depression can be caused by biological factors as well. So, you know, everything that we say in this podcast doesn't necessarily always cause depression, and anxiety, you know, it's okay to not be okay as well. If you go through things and you are fine, you know, it doesn't mean that you're reacting to things wrong. Um, but it's also important to understand that you don't even need these things to have happened to experience anxiety and depression. So one thing, a disclaimer, it's important to understand is that we're not claiming to be professionals. We just hope to have an honest conversation that will... Um, empower you to seek help if you need to have that help and or have a conversation with someone that you trust um, about some of the things that you're going through but if you do feel like you are having symptoms of anxiety or depression please do speak to someone and you know 
seek help. There's no shame in that at all. So, yeah. So, Abana, when have you experienced anxiety and depression during this pandemic? You know, what are some of the things that have triggered you? Um, yeah, like relationships with people. Um, you're in a house with your family and that's the only people that you see every day. <laughs> no offence, I love my mum. I love my mum and I love my brother so much. But, you know, sometimes... Yeah, yeah, in an African household is mad. <laughs> like, you understand? So, so it's relationships, not just with them, but relationships outside of your household where it's all it is reduced to a phone call, reduced to like a Zoom call, reduced to FaceTime. And some, some of that could be like speaking to um, the opposite sex or speaking to her friends um, and just. The conversation is just being stripped from, you know, all the fun things that you can do, go out for coffee and stuff. It, and all it becomes is conversation. And in those conversation, everything is naked. Everything is right there. And you see all the things that of that person that demands of you. Um, and it's all through just conversation. So it can really bring the anxiety out because people are planning. People are still planning in the pandemic, right? But you feel restricted at, at various moments and all it is is that these are the things that are required of you and if you don't fulfill them then you have failed and so I find that that's something that has brought out a lot of anxiety um in a pandemic and also health like there's COVID like that's why we're here right but then there's other things that can trigger that for those of us that are um, more prone to catching COVID because we are, how can I put it, high risk. You are constantly thinking of COVID, but then you're thinking, if I get COVID, um, can I, like, will something happen to me? And we've seen that people have died that were healthy, you know, healthy 40-year-olds or healthy 30, 20-year-olds, 10-year-olds, whatever it is. And then you think, bruh, I don't, do I stand a chance? Do you understand? Like, so health. And then when you think about health, it's like, okay, if I die from COVID or if I die from um, health issues, that complications from COVID or just complications in general or having chronic illness, like what about if it's something more than what the pain is? You know, you think past that. Okay, existential crisis, um, anxiety of like, if I go before God now, like, did I do X, Y, Z? And then, oh, it's horrible. And anxieties make you feel like you're supposed to keep laws because like it takes you out of just being a free human being and to, I didn't do this, this, that, and that, and that. And so now I, um, you almost go into like um, just legalism in your faith as well because anxiety does that. So anxiety in the faith is also crazy and it's all linked together. I think the lockdown has put these things, like they've crammed these things and it's, be it's become just that. Um, so that's where I've experienced anxiety um, recently um, and it's been ongoing. So long as, however long the pandemic has been going on, so a year is how, I, like, how long I've been dealing with anxiety. And I wouldn't say like full on depression, um, I'd, Honestly, like you said, you can't self-diagnose yourself so quick. Um, but it's where it's like, 
oh, like some days I wake up and I'm just like, I open my eyes and the first thing I think about, before even thanking God, is like, oh mate, another day <laughs> in a pandemic. And that means I'm going to deal with this throughout the day. But yeah, that's that's basically what I've been I've been dealing with. Yeah. What about you? Tell me about you. Yeah, no, it's um it has been hard and I think it's been hard for everyone. Some people it's definitely been, you know, much harder to have the natural anxiety that has come from a pandemic alongside other things such as being high risk or, you know, working. Frontline workers have had that that added anxiety. Um, and stress I think one thing for me that I've noticed during this pandemic that wasn't really such an issue for me before it has been social media um, I think the natural transition to us going online to find our fellowship you know and our way of relating to one another has actually caused us to operate in a way that we were never meant to operate and I feel like because of that it's just caused natural anxiety because we are you know especially as Christians um operating in a way that God never intended us to operate you know having like you said like even phone calls I feel like sometimes we aren't always having phone calls but we're having these like very stripped back conversations in group chats on social media or just, you know, back and forth over Twitter or Instagram or WhatsApp, you know, not really get into the heart of what you're feeling or being able to strengthen and build each other. Um, seeking approval from people more because you are using social media more. Everything is online. You can't really see what's going on in the real world. And sometimes it looks like everyone else is coping in this pandemic and you can sometimes feel like, am I the only one that's not coping? Should I be coping? Things aren't as hard for me. So why do I find it, you know, so hard? Um, definitely had a lot of anxiety myself in this pandemic and a lot of it started from trying to take on the world. <laughs> you know, like last year, you know this. <laughs> I took on, I felt like I was any anything anyone asked of me. I just didn't know how to use the word no. It wasn't in my vocabulary. Even when I was burnt out to the ground, like my battery was on 1%, I felt like I still had to say yes to everything. Um, you know, I'd made people huge in my life and God tiny, if we're going to be real. I'd, I'd given so much power to people um, to affirm my worth and value and make me feel like I was okay and safe and didn't depend on God, which then caused me to have huge amounts of anxiety, which then spiral into depression. Because, you know, when you know you can't do all these things that you've said you're going to do, you then feel hopeless and depressed because you feel trapped. You know, you feel like I can't get myself out of this. And it's cyclical because you feel like you have to now depend on yourself because you've depended on, you've kept, you've kept your thinking so narrow-minded on people and human like relations that you don't think even now that I can go before God to ask him for his help because I've tried to do it all on my own already so far you know and it's a lie you can go to God whenever look at the prodigal son like he went all the way out and he still came back to the father you know it doesn't matter how much you've failed you can always come back to God and by the grace of God I had people around me like you 
um, who reminded me, you know, that it's okay to say, no, I, I need to take a time out. I need to rest. God rested. So why do you feel like you don't need to rest, Sophie? You know, Jesus t- took time to with- withdraw himself from the crowds and pause. Um, so that's definitely been a big part of my anxiety and something that I'm definitely working on is, you know, boundaries with people, not saying yes to everything, realizing it's okay if you're not capable of doing everything that you're meant to be doing. It doesn't mean that your life is going to be over. You know, your life does not depend on people. It depends on God and God is able to do anything, you know. Um, and one other, I feel like another existential anxiety, but not even my own, because um, none of my family are saved. I feel like a huge part of my depression during this time. So obviously being home, being a lot of lone, I felt a lot of loneliness because you've been taken away from the community of other believers. So you can just feel so isolated in this thing alone, even though you have conversations with people, you know, at the end of the day, those conversations do have to come to an end. You can't be on your phone 24 seven. So, you know, you do have to withdraw. Um, and that feeling of just, looking around you at your family and thinking like none of you have the hope that I have what's going to happen if you catch COVID you know both my parents have been working throughout this pandemic um my dad uh, is hu- like slightly high risk he's not high risk to the point that he had to shelter but he's got a pre-existing health condition um my nan went into hospital last month um she's 83 you know she's got pre she was high risk so she was sheltering um and sheltering shielding even but you know you knew what I meant (laughs) um and that I had the biggest panic attack I'd had in you know over a year even in this pandemic because straight away my mind went to the fact that she's not saved she does not know Jesus um so I feel like that is something that's just been heightened this year because death is all around us what about those who don't know Christ, especially my friends and family who don't know them? That's been a huge weight of anxiety. Um, and yeah, it has, you know, convicted me in terms of evangelism. And I think we definitely will have an honest conversation about evangelism at some point. But yeah, that's been that's been a huge part of it for for me. Yeah, um, it's 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 crazy because yeah you think about you know your family and I think about my family and I think some of the questions that well it's a question that a lot of us a lot of Christians ask these days because it's so it's it's almost a camouflage now like you don't know if someone is truly saved now people are walking away from the faith all the time as well like it's like it's almost become so much easier to do it um, so you get very worried. I think a lot about my like my family and and sometimes you kind of look at actions as well <laughs> over time and you're like, hey, hold on a minute. If the same, why are you acting like it's 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 crazy. And and that brings me to ask like um escapism, as you mentioned, you know, on social media we see people like it's it was already there. And people were building this perfect life and and stuff. You go on Instagram and it's all perfect. Um, And then you go on there and you're thinking, hold on a minute, like, why isn't my life looking like this? And we forget, even when someone tells you, like, this is not real. Like, we almost forget it so quickly. 
And one of the things about God and what he does is he knows us so deeply that throughout the Bible, it says, remember, remember, so that you will know that I am the Lord, that you will know that I am the Lord, that you will know that I am the Lord. And remember, 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 because we're so prone to forgetting that you can tell me, I'll go online and I'll see someone be like, Sophie, look, these these people, they're living their best life. And you'll be like, Abner, it's it's not real. (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, yes, they might have a good life, but all this like um, perfect post after perfect post after perfect perfect post, it's not real. But then we'll forget it. We'll say, okay, but we forget it the next day. So it brings me to a conversation um, on escapism. And I think we need to talk about um, body dysmorphia, which um, the disorder affects 1.7% to 2.9% of the general population. So one in 50 people, but that's not even the the like final um, group or the final kind of stats because there are people that battle with it, but um, they are reluctant to reveal their BDD symptoms to others because obviously it's, it's, it's not nice to talk about, right? And what I was listening to, I think maybe a week ago, there's something called Zoom dysmorphia. Because we're in a pandemic, people are doing work calls, they're doing university, they're doing um, cahoots, <laughs> like, you know, games and stuff on Zoom. And Zoom does not give you, like, you understand, stripped back. <laughs> you understand, it's stripped back. But people are kind of like, oh, my days, like, I'm seeing my nose looks like this, or my face is like, everything's just narrow and drawing into the camera. And before that, before the pandemic, we were outside and work and we were, we would have conversations. Do you understand? Like, you know, you don't even know that you're pu- pulling goofy faces, but that was the realness. That's the realness of seeing one another, but strip back in your house, you're focused on, on the screen. Like this is what they're seeing. More time. The person is not even fixated on your, your physical appearance. They remember you as the, you were without your Snapchat filters, without zoom. Uh, like now you can on zoom, you can have like a, uh, make me look better. I didn't even know this. You can have a thing to touch up. But when you put all of these things on, your Snapchat filters and stuff like that, and you uh, you walk away, it's a double-edged sword because it mends you and keeps you happy for a little while. But then you walk away and you take the band-aid off and you're stuck with a really big issue. And you understand? So we live in a, a society that's hyper-focused on physical appearance and we internalize those messages. So we're so hyper-focused on ourselves on Zoom calls that it's like, but this is this is who I am. And you, you all you are is this thing that you've created in your mind that you need to hide because on social media, everyone's perfect. They don't have even a, like a spot of blemish or anything, not in their personality and not in their like physical looks. Like where's this perfect world? Because we're in a pandemic. That's, that's the key. We're in a pandemic. It is not a perfect world. <laughs> Far from it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think body dysmorphia is something that has definitely been, I mean, escapism, right? Like comparison, looking, trying to avoid your problems and just going onto social media to try and escape it. But then, in fact, actually, when you go on social media, your, your problems are heightened, right? To a certain extent, you might numb some of the feelings 
However, because you're not dealing with your issues, they're there, they're growing, you're feeding your issues with what you are consuming. You know, if you feel really negative towards your appearance and then you go on social media um, without an intentional approach of trying to help yourself, you, you know, because actually you could, this is the thing, it all comes down to how we use these things. If you're going on social media and you're following, you know, women that, use filters that are endorsed by you know all these beauty brands you know you're not following people that are real and transparent in how they look on a day-to-day basis but are just showing you their best self it's gonna you know it's gonna feed your insecurities or if you're just following people that post themselves in designer clothes or all their achievements or their hat their happy family you know no crying babies you know if you're if you're a parent you know and they say oh why does that family always look happy but my kids want to make me pull my hair out you know well obviously they're they're not putting that they want you to think that they've got it all together but if you go on social media and you follow people that do post pictures with no filter on and are more transparent about how they live or you you follow things that feed your interests like I don't know for me and Abana we're both we love photography so you could follow photographers and you know I like interior design so I follow a lot of interior design accounts um you know, when you then go on social media, you can have a bit more a control. However, a lot of us, that's not the case. We don't have this intentional approach when we go on social media. So we just numb our feelings. We don't deal with them. And then our problems become fattened by more lies, you know, that then feed into this. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not organized enough. I haven't got my life together enough. But all these other people do. So I'm behind now and I feel like I can't swim and I feel like I'm, you you know, you start to feel like you're drowning because everyone else looks like they're on top and you're just drowning in your insecurities, which are a lie because everyone has got insecurities, you know, everyone is going through it. Um, It's like Abner was saying about Zoom. I use, (laughs) I am on Zoom and Teams every single day for my work, you know, and it's got to a point now that I don't have my camera on in work meetings because I can't deal with seeing my face on the screen. But I was having a conversation at work um, last week and one of my managers was saying about the Zoom etiquette where you have to, you can see where you're looking. Um, If you look at people, you can tell when they're looking at themselves or when they're looking at the rest of the people on the screen or the camera. And Zoom etiquette is that you should look at the camera, but then occasionally look at everyone else. So as if you're in a real meeting. But I noticed it after then that everyone looks at themselves in these meetings. I can, everyone is looking at that same bottom right hand corner of the screen where they are because we are everyone is preoccupied with themselves and it's just we we inflate ourselves so much and we have this anxiety that everyone's noticing all these things about us we're so focused on us being wrong that actually most of these things other people don't notice you know And, and that's what it's like with body dysmorphia Body dysmorphia is like having a magnifying glass on the part of your body that you feel is problematic. Sometimes it's more than just that. Sometimes it's an actual distort, like you see your body differently to what it actually looks like. But like for me, in the areas of myself that I get body dysmorphia about, I look in the mirror and I won't go to my eyes when I look at myself. I'm just going to be really transparent here. I'll look at the parts of my body, like my face, that give me body dysmorphia. But I've tried to like, I'm trying to train my brain that when I look at myself in the mirror, I go straight to my eyes 
and I won't have that, that the symptoms then because I'm looking at myself as if I was looking at someone else, you know. When you have a conversation with someone, when you look at someone, you will look at their eyes normally, right? Sometimes you, you want to break the eye contact because it gets a bit intense when you're just, you know, locking eyes for ages. You'll, you know, you'll move around the face a little bit. But most of the time, you will look in the eye area. Um, and you have to try and treat yourself like a normal human being. I feel like that is one step to get away from that is stop, you know, it's the gospel, right? Self-denial. Stop making yourself the key, making yourself different. Deny that what your, your mind wants you to do to yourself and just treat yourself like another human being. So, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's just in terms of body dysmorphia, something that I've definitely been working through because I've become a lot, I never was aware of it until the pandemic. Because the pandemic has, I think it's really shone a light on how people do have body dysmorphia. I think, you know, like Abena said, those I don't think those stats fairly represent the amount of people that go through it. Because I don't think a lot of people know what it is. You know, I don't think a lot of people actually realise it. They just probably have insecurities about themselves. So, yeah, I feel like that is actually a way that you can really... Um, Try and work through your body dysmorphia. You know, look at yourself how you would look at another human. Find parts of yourself that you like. And, you know, realise that you're more than just your appearance as well. But we know that we have a solution to anxiety and depression. And that is the gospel. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the hope that we share. Yes. Um, one thing that I love about God's word is God always points out like this is the issue but I'm the solution um and I love how for example with me I love the old testament I'd I meet people and it's always like oh yeah I love the new testament yeah the new testament's fantastic that's where Jesus did but I love the old testament like it I use it to um when I'm going to bed I can just have like it just playing and I just listen to bits where it's like really you know peculiar and stuff I just love it I don't I do that yeah if we have to pick testaments I really enjoy the old testament I find the grace is there as well um many people feel like oh the old testament the god in there is not great bro the whole thing is great the whole entire bible is great and it, for me when I'm having anxiety I love the fact that the new testament writers highlight the old testament you know so that kind of also helps us to um focus on god as um, a whole in his whole entire word and james five seventeen says remember elijah he was a man like us you know elijah people of his time separated him from being a man they saw him as this person that performed miracles he was strange i mean even john the baptist he, he was like likened to Elijah. Why? Because they dressed in, um, you know, camel's hair and, and, and they lived in the wilderness and they ate weird food and stuff like that. That doesn't take away from the fact that they're humans. It doesn't take away from the fact that they, they have feelings. They're men. They go through things, you know. And Elijah was very real. <laughs> and I thank God that it's in the word. Because when you look at First Kings from, uh, I think, chapter 18, he is dealing with the false prophets, you know, of Baal and 450 prophets. And you've got this one man that is um, repping God. And he shows like, obviously, like God works through Elijah 
and he just shows the power of God and it brings the people to to see like whilst you know Elijah is this uh, fancy guy <laughs> that's out there that they have detached from you know his humanness and and he almost becomes this weird person they they saw that wow like this man has highlighted the the true the truth of who our God is who Yahweh is but then you see in the in First Kings nineteen that Jezebel's like may the gods do more to me if I don't uh, kill you I'm gonna kill you do you understand and he runs away think about him taking his servant drops his servant off in Judah <laughs> and then runs into the wilderness then he sits under a tree and he just doesn't want to do anything just die you know he he all he feels alone I do not know how Elijah felt. I've got my family in this p- pandemic, but he was going through a pandemic in Israel where it's like, they don't want to worship God. You know, they want to worship all these, they, they're detached from what God had done from them, bringing them out of Egypt and, um, and building them into a, a great and mighty nation. Elijah felt like, I have, I have nothing. I just want to sit here and I just want to die, you know, after doing that great work. So it, it highlights his humanity. It highlights that this is someone who needs the Lord as well in his own life. He needs a miracle. And God dealt with those things. But I love how James highlights it, that don't forget, remember Elijah. And he was talking to Hebrews um, at that time, Hebrew brethren, and, and saying, remember this part of the word of God. Don't forget it. And that helps me because like Christ is talking about you know, like, don't be anxious about what you wear or what you eat. This is what the, the Gentiles think about. This is what the people and the unbelievers think about. You know, they're, they're like, oh, what am I going to do today? That's why they live. That's why they get up every day. And that's why they do things. But you mind the, um, the kingdom of your father. and He'll take care of the rest of that, you know. And we see that when we go back again and look at Elijah, how he was taken care of. Like he had the ravens come to give him food and God was so loving towards his servant and God is loving towards us. How much more us, we have Christ in us, you know? And so, you know, Psalms 34 verse four, I love it. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears, you know? And my favorite Psalm, when I go to, I I remember last week I, I had a breakdown and I was just like, I don't even know who I am. I feel burnt out. I feel tired. I And I don't talk to people. I think a lot of the time people think that, oh, she's really bubbly. She's got it all together. Or do you understand? But I deal with so much. And it, sometimes it feels like it's caving in on me. But I have to be, like, I find with bubbly people, we have to always be bubbly. And we get tired from it. Because if, you, if you're tired, like the next human, people are like, something must be wrong with you because you're not you're not laughing or you're not happy. No, I'm just tired. I'm still there. I'm just tired. I might, I might not be depressed or anxious, but I'm just quiet because loud people like quiet times too, you know? And, and so I I went to Psalms 139 and God tells me who I am, who I am and whose I am. And I'm his, you know, he highlights that there's nowhere that I can go, that he's not there. And even in the darkness, it's light to him you know, and he sees all my fears, and he knows them all, he knows me uh, more than I know myself, because even my heart is desperately wicked, and it, it can deceive me, but God knows even what is there, he knows what I haven't seen yet, and he highlights these things sometimes, and it's not to condemn you, but it's to tell you that, yo, you need to slow down, you need to give those things to me, 
you know? And so I love how the word of God is constantly working in our lives and it's for our good and it's to bring glory to God, you know? So anxiety doesn't have a hold on me because I can go to the gospel and the word of God is there to remind us that I am here with you and come to this word. This is the word that you need. Don't go to anything else because everyone else seems to feel like they've got the solution, but those things are temporal. And then you're back again and you have to take the bandaid off and then deal with the real issue. And the only thing for like we, we can use to deal with these issues is God's word and will forever be God's word. So, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Definitely. I think, yeah, yeah. What, what Abana just said is exactly it. The, the word of God is, you know, a huge blessing to us because it's the truth. You know, when our, when the world around us tries to lie to us, when our own mind tries to lie to us and tell us that the solution is somewhere within ourselves. And then we try and find that solution within ourselves and we can't find it. It's because the solution wasn't in us you know well Christ in us is the solution but that's not a, you know that's not us that's not our own mind it's Christ Christ is the answer the word of God is the answer turning to God is the answer and in the word of God there is in the New Testament you know there is such a heavy 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 emphasis on fellowship with the brethren you know with serving your neighbor um, and I think that a huge part of the reason, you know, that me, myself and Abanar and I think a lot of us have been going through anxiety and depression is from loneliness and, you know, a lack of genuine um, fellowship and, and having someone there for us. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10, it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. You know, when you have a friend who you can just be transparent with or a community who you can just be so transparent with, they will carry you, you know. Galatians says that we will carry each other's burdens. It's not all on you to try and get through this life, you know, make it all work. We're, we're given a family. We are one body in Christ together. And by having genuine fellowship, we can help each other. Uh, Paul even says in Romans 15, he says that like by the grace of God, that he will be able to come back to the, the church in Rome so that he can be refreshed by their company. You know, just by being with one another, we can be freshed. Proverbs, I think it's uh, Proverbs eleven twenty five says that he who strengthens will be strengthened, you know, by helping others we are helped ourselves because we have this community where we are pouring into one another you know you don't need to be empty you don't you're not meant to do this on your own one of the first things God says about man is that it's not good for man to be alone you know that is it we try and do this the the way especially the western world is you know trains us to think is that you've got to do this by yourself you know every man for himself you've got to go out there and make this happen for you but no we are part of one body and we live for Christ. We don't live for ourselves anymore. We deny ourselves and we say yes to God. You know, and by serving others, you also take your eyes off of yourself. And, you know, by realising it's not all about you, it does ease anxiety. You know, it's, you're blessed to bless other people. It's such a blessing 
when you give, you know, when you serve others, because you just realize that it's all about Christ and you stop stressing and stop worrying about your own life because it's his life that you live for. So I think one thing that I'd really encourage you if in this time you've been having a lot of anxiety and depression and loneliness is to find a genuine community that you can feed into, but also, you know, be strengthened by where there is an inflow and an outflow where you can be planted and grow, not just, you know, dip in for one Bible study and then see you later, but where you can build that trust, transparency, serve them and, you know, know that you can go there and be honest with them. They can hold you accountable. Um, I think that's something that is just so, so important. You'll have people that will speak the truth over you. Um, and one final thing is that if you need to have counselling or if you need medication, it does not mean that you lack faith in God. So don't feel shame for needing to speak to someone professionally or if you do need to go on medication because of your, you know, your, your anxiety, depression or other mental health disorders, it's not because you lack faith in God. OK, God, God can use means to heal you. So you using these means does not mean that you lack faith or that you're evil or anything like that. So, yeah, that's just my final my final thing on that. Yeah, it's it's really important for us to care about each other as well. Advise people to get help um, and to rely on. We're blessed. I think we are blessed in this part of the world as well, where it's like we know that we can go and, and and speak to someone that's a professional and get the help and get these things out because bottling them up can, oh, it can cause so much more hurt. And my only final thing to add is, you know, as Sophia said, 100%, you know, do not feel ashamed to speak out on when you're going through anxiety or depression. But also that our hope is in Christ and the Lord finishes off the book of Revelation so beautifully. Revelations 21 verse 40, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. So this is not our final, if this was our final life and the Lord allowed Adam to go eat from that tree of life, we'd be so done would be so finished but we're not finished um and we have such great things that are coming um and new bodies new everything so we yeah. can trust the lord to come through we can trust him to you know be back he's coming back and he's coming for his church and for his people those of the those in the church that go through anxiety those that are battling with depression those that are battling with anything he's coming back for all of us you know and whilst we wait, he is working on these issues, you know, and we will praise him ever so more with what he's done for us. So thank you. And we'll catch you soon. <laughs> Bye. Take care, guys. Bye. <laughs>